here we are, season six, with the one, the only, the Grammy nominated. Yeah, wow. <laughs> the Grammy nominated. Badass songwriter, badass artist. Drew Parker, how are you, sir? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. How was your How was your uh, New Year been so far? Good, busy. Yeah, I mean, we're man. We hit the ground running quick. Yeah, you started touring. Yeah, last last week was week one of my, of my first ever headline tour. Mm. And uh, if you know anything about headline tours, if you're the headliner, they are. It's it's a nervous thing. How much shit do you have to do during the day? Well, it depends. I mean, if you have a singlet radio, I mean, there's a lot of radio interviews and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Other than that, dude, I got I got my little gaming laptop out there and playing some Call of Duty. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a lot some responsibility, you know. There's also responsibility of like still being a dad and a husband from By far hundreds of miles away, you know. So there's that, but. You're also the kind of the boss out on the roads. You got to make sure everybody's happy because you want everybody to be happy. My, as far as like legit responsibility, not too much. Not too much. My uh, my friend um, sent me a snap, and like it was I think it was your Athens show. Yeah. And um, she was she sent me a snap, and I'm like, who is that? And I'm like, is that Drew Parker? And she goes, yeah. And I'm like, you should have told me you were going. I would have got you fucking tickets and meet and greets and shit like that. She's like, no. Dang. She's like, I came by myself. Dang. I'm like, you can't. I'm like, you went. She's doing. She does this shit on, on like all the on the reg. She's like, and like you went to the show by yourself. She goes, yeah. And I'm like, all right. Well, at least he was he good. She goes, oh, he was fucking fantastic. Good. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that, dude. It was awesome. Uh, dream venue for me, Georgia Theater down in Athens, sold out. Because um, you're from Georgia. I am, yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely top five bucket list venues for me, Georgia Theater was. So to sell it out, I mean, massive, you know, for me. Yeah. And um, we got a new show put together. I mean, that playing a lot of new music. I mean, if you've unless you've seen me last weekend, you're going to see a show that you haven't seen before. So it's, uh, it's really exciting. And I mean, I'm excited to go back and play it this weekend. Where are you hitting this weekend? Birmingham, uh, Thursday night, Memphis, Friday night and, uh, Starkville mm. Saturday night. Yeah. Mm. Starkville, Mississippi. Yeah. Never been. Really? Never been. I haven't really like traveled. Uh, yeah, I haven't traveled like a like a college person should have right. when they were in college. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. <clears throat> so, Georgia boy growing up. That's it. Cummington, Georgia. That's it. <laughs> how far is how far is that away from Nashville? Three hundred miles. Like like two hundred ninety eight miles. Three hundred miles. Is he close to? So you closer to Savannah? No, not even close. <laughs> I'm like another probably 200 from Savannah, maybe. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 200, 250. I'm an hour east of Atlanta. Ah. Uh, Atlanta doesn't seem like it's that far away Um, because it's like a three-hour drive. Well, it's not that far, but then you get to Atlanta and you, and you <laughs> get on my brick wall of cars. <laughs> And, like, you just sit there forever. It's like, what are we doing? Like, dude, 
300 miles it sounds awesome to drive home, right? For yeah. Because it's like, no, it's not that far. Not when it's 300 miles and on the other side of Atlanta. Jesus. Like, if it was 300 miles and on this side of Atlanta, dude, it would be a four-hour drive. So, But, like, it took my brother, who came up for Christmas. Yeah. Took him and his wife seven and a half hours to get back home at 300 miles. And this was, I'm talking, like, oh, December 26th. Like, why are that many cars on the road, for one? For two, why? Well, during that time, it was because Southwest was broken down. Oh, that is true. <laughs> and Atlanta's the busiest airport. Yeah. Yeah, I, I flew I flew through. Um, so, Halloween, my uh, one of my best friends had a wedding on Halloween. Mm-hmm. And so, I flew up the night before. The day before, I flew up, and I had to go through Atlanta. I don't know why... Flights connecting flights to Philadelphia are in Atlanta because you because you're, like, what? you're going about da- flying makes sense like yeah. you're going down and then coming back up like I don't understand you like, know tell me why it's cheaper for me to fly tell me this why is it cheaper for me to fly to Atlanta with a layover in Charlotte North Carolina than it is to just fly directly to Atlanta why is it cheaper to get on two planes than it is to get on one. That's a million dollar question. <laughs> because that is that's exactly an actual that's an act, yeah no it ha- no it happens like that's a legit thing like what sense does that make? And I like it sucks because like if you're like on a budget kind of thing like I am all the time. Well, it sucks. Kinda, you want to do the cheaper one, which it, is the layover. It, it, sucks. it sucks though because also it's only a forty five minute up in the air flight from here to Nash from Nashville, Atlanta. I know. That's the sucky part. Mm-hmm. So it's adding what another dude a lot of time to fly all the way to Charlotte, get off a plane, stand in the airport for forty five minutes at minimum. That's and insane. Get on another plane, and then go to Atlanta. Brutal. I'm going to ask my roommate, who's like an air traffic control person, my old roommate actually, and be like, oh, it "Just makes no sense." So why does that happen? <laughs> I think it's probably just to fill up those planes. So if they make it cheaper, because it does suck to have to do that. Mm-hmm. So, if, but if you make it cheaper, it's like, well, we can fill up this plane. Because if you offer the direct one, mm-hmm. cheaper. But they're both going to fill up. It's freaking an airplane. It's it's like when's the last time you've been on an airplane that wasn't full? Twenty twenty. Well, I guess you couldn't fly that. Couldn't fly then. It's been a while. It's been a while because I also I fly standby a lot. Really? Yes. Never, I can't do that. I but here's the, I'm not going to the airport and sitting. No, no, no. Here's the key to flying standby. I'm going to tell you. So if you ever get a chance to fly standby, here's the key to do it. Take the very first fucking flight out. So like the 6 a.m., 5 o'clock in the morning flight, you take that flight out because here's why. Because how does that work? Like explain standby. To so stand, so standby is so standby typically you get it if the air if, if the airline fucks up typically, or you get it if you know someone who works for the airline, and basically it's a cheaper flight, but it puts you on. But what flight have you booked already? You don't. You book it the day before. Oh, you book a standby the day. So the person, so the person, oh. so the person who like so my my old roommate, I get my standby flights through him through American, and so what he does is. I'll let him know like a week in advance 
and he'll be like, okay, well, this is the flight you should get on, which is typically the early morning fucking flight. Mm-hmm. And he'll let, he'll get, he'll check me in, everything on his end. I'll get the boarding pass when I get to the airport, go through TSA, all the shit, and I just wait. Now, typically, now knock on wood, it's never happened to where I've missed a plane. And I've had to sit in the airport for the next flight to go through or whatever. Um, but that's basically what you don't if you don't make that particular flight, then they just roll you over to the next flight for your next destination. And they're just way cheaper. And it's just it's like a hundred dollars round trip. Yeah. $150 round trip. Um, but standby, I mean, the, the key to standby is going first thing in the morning, which is I don't know. It fucking sucks, but it's like... Yeah, but I mean... Dude, here's the thing. I, I don't have patience or the fortitude to show up early and not and, get on the flight. And not get on a flight. That's why, that's why I always do the 5.30 in the morning flight because it's... You someone's got, bound to miss it. Because someone's bound to miss it. Someone's bound to miss it. Someone is either out that. getting drunk the night before... I get that. And I get that. they overslept. I get that. Or someone changed your flight last minute. Oh, there's a spot opened up. You know what I mean? Like I, got, I got first class multiple times just being standby. Dang. First, once you fly first class, it's just there's just no turning back. Dude, none. <laughs> it's it's. Dude, if you can resist that urge, don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. It's a. That's why I like flying Southwest because you like don't. Yeah. There's no. There's class. no first class. But man, dude. If you ever get first class on like Delta or American or something, there's no don't turn back, don't ever do it. Don't do the one time that I haven't is we, me and my wife, flew the Virgin Islands, and like I almost I was like, I mean, we're already spending a lot on this trip, right? Right, so what's a couple hundred dollars more, <laughs> dude? I started looking, it wasn't a couple hundred dollars. Oh, dude, it's insane what it was gonna cost to fly. And I told my wife, I was like, I can fly first class, you can sit back there, we can't both do it. I'm kidding. Uh, I had a friend. No, we didn't do it. I had, a, I had a friend who flew um, to uh, Greece. First class? I think it was Greece. It might have been Greece. Somewhere, some Greece or Italy, one pla- one of the other places this, like, this past Christmas. And they flew on the plane that has like the first class apartments. Jeez. So like there it's was like a, there's, lay down seat. there's a lay down seat. There's a shower. Shut up. No, I'm dead serious. I'm dead this serious. Doesn't exist. I'm dead serious. I'm gonna show you when we done this. When we get this interview, I'm gonna show you. There's <laughs> I was like never heard of this. N- neither did I. Until he like it was what it, airlines this. Do you know? It's gotta be Delta, right? No, it wasn't Delta. So it wasn't Delta. Like Frontier or no, it was some kind. It was some kind of like something you never heard of. Something I never heard of. Interesting. It was something I never oh. heard of. But and, 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 it, and it wasn't a private jet. So, <laughs> Gee. but it's like any. I mean, he travels Gee, all. It might as well have been a private. It jet. might as well have been I mean, a private you got jet. A, your own shower. So like him and his wife had like their own showers and get on the plane, right? <laughs> <laughs> and not get arrested for it, people. Yeah, so it's like um, him and his wife had their like, had their own like apartments on the plane at first class, and I'm just like, what in the hell? I gotta look. This up. Yeah, we can keep talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which airlines have onboard showers? 
Emirates. Emirates. That's it. Dude, no way. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, that's the one. That's the one. There are reserved. They are reserved for passengers traveling in first class on both Emirates and there's another one I can't pronounce. Um, Dude, it's got like a bed in there. Yeah. Couch. TV. No way. Yes. And you have like. This is insane. And you have like your own like uh, flight attendant server kind of ordeal. And then they have like, apparently they have like food already and snacks already in. Yes. That's it. All right. Well, find something out. (laughs) Find out something new every day. This is insane. I'm going to have to look into this. I mean, I'm sure it's way more than like it's way. Well, he used he used his points. Points, yeah. I don't have. I can promise you this. I have no points with Emirates. <laughs> I've never. I don't flown think. He, I don't think he ever. did either. So there's got to be something. We'll. I'll figure this out. Yeah, I think. I don't think he did either because that's that's that specific airline. So I think he probably just had like some type of like Expedia points or whatever. Oh, I don't know. point. I don't know, whatever that is. Q A N T A S points. First class from Osh from Sydney. Which flying is first class from Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane. Anyway. Just like a twenty four hour hundred and eight to hundred and sixty two thousand points. Yeah. That sounds about right. I mean he he like what I mean he travels. He travels. Dude, I like it. Yeah. Didn't know this existed. Yep. Now we have goals. Either that or a private jet. One or the other. <laughs> Shower sounds fun. Shower sounds fun on an airplane. You know? I wonder, but my question is, is that I wonder if it's like a tour bus. Like tour bus shower? Like or? tour bus shower. Because you, because. Like just, I mean, tiny, no yeah. for anything. Yeah. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm sure it's not like a, a shower in a $40,000 House. Yeah, probably not. You know, or forty thousand square foot. House. Probably, probably weak pressure, water pressure. Oh, brutal, <laughs> nasty, recycled, stinky exactly. water. Exactly, dude. Okay, I'm out. I'm out. See, I'm out. Now I'm out. It's like sounds luxurious, and then you're like, it's like water smells like eggs. And you're like, oh, I'm out. Well, you better off washing with a Dasani water bottle. <laughs> God, good lord. Give you a wash rag in there. <laughs> good lord. So let's talk about let's talk about new music. Um, you just released at the end of the dirt road. Yeah, is that is that at radio yet? No, that's a killer fucking song. Well, thank you, man. It's a special song to me. If you know anything about me, which mm-hmm. I think you do, uh, I write a lot of my own stuff. I've written stuff for other people. Mm-hmm. This is the first song I ever recorded that I didn't write. Although it's not the first song I put out that I didn't write because right. I didn't write Little Miss Saturday Night. But it was the first one that I found that I didn't write. And I was like, I'm cutting this. Right. And we just are just now putting it out. But um, it's the first song that was sent to me that I was like, that I didn't write, that I was like, I've got to record this. And so I did. It just, it feels like something I would have wrote. Um, it's definitely something that I would want to say as an artist. Who, who wrote that? My good friends, Ben Hayslip. Mm-hmm. Brock Berry Hill and Jameson Rogers. Jameson Rogers. That's a that's a dude. I like he, it got sent to me. I think Ben Hayslip sent it to me. And I was like, is Jameson not cutting this? He was like, 
I don't think so. So I texted Jameson and, and uh, he's like, no, nah, man, you can. I was like, well, I'm going to. <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it. So that wasn't, that really wasn't an ask. It was just, no, it's it letting you know. <laughs> told him. Yeah. No. So yeah, that's what happened with that. And uh, it's doing great. People seem to like it a lot. You know, I think it's something people to relate to and find their own story in and, you know, even if you didn't grow up on a dirt road, you can, you know, it doesn't have to be a dirt road. It's right. just like, I'm thankful for this piece of heaven that I had in my life. Right. You know, whatever that is. It's, it's, um, it's crazy. Cause I've, I've, I've watched you grow as an artist. Um, even back to, you know, my job where we made you so that special title that we're not going to say, but, um, I still have my old fashioned that was given to me by you guys. That it's now on my bar that I'm probably going to drink tonight. <laughs> um, but it's it's been it's been cool watching you grow as an artist and watching. It seems like you're having fun. Oh, I am, dude. I wouldn't do. I couldn't <laughs> do it if I wasn't having fun because it's a lot of work. It's a lot as of you work. Know. So like, <laughs> it's too much work to not have fun doing it. I mean, it's it's. I mean, not granted. I mean, I'd be honest. You got to be honest and say, dude, sometimes it's just like, it's, it's brutal. You know, it's, yeah. like, it's a lot of work and um, there's times you just kind of, you know, you got a bus call at whatever time in the middle of the night or you're like, God, dude, I just kind of wish I could just be at home laying in my bed, you know, with my yeah. family. But at the same time, man, all everything else is just awesome and so if it's not if it wasn't fun you couldn't do it like you literally couldn't because it's it's not too much work that's the wrong way to say it, but it is too much work to not have fun doing it. right so um i mean you gotta have fun doing it and daggummit i'm having a blast yeah it's uh, i mean we, i mean when you're grammy nominated then you know oh, shoot <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's crazy for those of you who do not know um He's Grammy nominated for Luke Holmes' single. Yeah. Forever After All. No. No. Doing Doing this. this. Doing this. Yeah. Doing this. Um, Which Was that supposed to be? I don't think that was supposed to be a single, was it? Dude, I don't know. I never would have dreamed in a million years it was going to be a single. I mean, I had, I wrote Forever After All with Luke. Right. And I knew that was, like, when we wrote that, I was like, I kind of knew it was going to be a single. It was kind of talked about, like, immediately. And then doing this, we wrote it, and it was just more like, man, we're going to kind of build this record around this song kind of thing. And gum, the next thing I knew, it was like. Because the first time he played it was at the award show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because we were being we were nominated for, for CMA Song of the Year for Forever, Forever After all. all. So I was there. It was the first CMA Awards I ever went to. And then he debuted the song doing this on right. the stage that night. And uh, it did its thing, and people loved it. Man, I mean, that's a. That's a songwriter song. Like, it's a kind of thing. It's yeah. like a, you know, per, it's like, like if you're in Nashville, it's that kind of thing. But also people found a way to relate to it no matter what. Yeah. It's, 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 like you said, it's very relatable because it's, you know, it's a passion song. It is. It's exactly. It's, but it's also a, a gratitude song. Yes. It's saying thank you for letting me do this yes. too kind of thing. Yes. Which yeah. is super cool. So, I mean. I it's it's crazy because I remember remember the post going up on Luke and he was he was I think it was between three songs and he didn't give any like audio snippet of the songs 
or anything like that. He just gave like the titles, mm-hmm. and it was based off the titles that um, the, the reason the song got picked. Yeah, which Dude, is insane. What's crazy is I don't remember where we were at, but I remember we were. It was when I was on tour with him. Um, we were hanging out in his green room, and we wrote it with Rob Wilford. And Rob looked at Luke and was like, "Have you talked? Have you told Drew?" And I was like, "Told him what?" And Luke just like nonchalantly goes, "Yeah, doing this is next single." And I'm like, "What? <laughs> really?" Because I mean, it's like. I mean, if, if you take it at face value, it just seems like that song is just going to be the one that kind of raises its hand that lives mm-hmm. on the album, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a B-side, but like a well-known B-side. Right. Right? So for him to believe in it enough to send it to radio, and that's what I love about Luke is, man, he don't he don't daggum care, man. Like, no. If that's what he wants, that's what he's going to do. And he wanted people to hear that song. And it's, cra- it's crazy because it's like Luke is on – Luke is on a wave right now, a tsunami wave, should I say, where literally everything is turning gold. Yeah. Turning platinum. Yeah. Number one hits. Yeah. It's crazy. So so tell us about your friendship with Luke. When did you guys meet? Ooh, we met eight years ago at a bar in Rome, Georgia. Isn't that crazy? Good Lord. A bar. Uh, he was playing a show, and I'd gotten a call. To come open the show, let's go get paid a hundred bucks to play acoustic, and um, so I went up there and man, we we hit it off. And he was like, "Man, I live in Nashville. Um, I just moved. You should come up and write songs." And he's the first person that ever invited me to Nashville to write songs. And so, I mean, I, at that point in time, I was still living down in Georgia, and it was like, "Well, this is my opportunity to see if there's anything that mm-hmm. exists there for me." So I started driving back and forth and. Um, nine months after that, I'm I moved. Just I was like, well, I mean, I I, I got comfortable enough and and you know felt confident enough in myself to uh, at least take a swing at it, right? You know, and you know I was fortunate to have met Luke and kind of he exploded not long after I got here. Maybe I mean he took me on tour with him. Immediately as soon as I got here. Right. Like the venues I'm playing like right now kind of thing. Are the venues you play? Are the venues like that I played with him opening up for Holy him. shit. So, now granted, like they they weren't like sold out when I right. was playing with him, like by no means. Like, um, but I, I got to, I got to see it grow like every month, man. Like every week it was more people, more people, more people. And then next thing you know, it was like, crazy and then two years later whatever i went on tour with him again and he was selling out arenas yeah i mean so it was crazy and so now just getting to be there for that stadiums. and getting to be there kind of along for that ride and you know um you know also finding my own right. path in all of that but being able to build my own path off of the confidence that i had through that stuff. Too. How hard was it for you to, because you're, you're technically still building your own path, but right. how hard was it for you to, while you're touring, still, I wouldn't say get out the shadow, because yeah. uh, no one's in anyone's shadow, right? but to get out the shadow of the, the monster that Luke Holmes is? I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I think people still kind of, 
know me somewhat as the guy that has written songs for Luke. I mean, that's that but, was a big part of my story. It's still story. a part. Yeah, it's still a big part. So there is that part. But I think it takes putting out your own music. I mean, honestly. Yeah. And so when you do that, you're like, oh, well, he does his own thing too. Um, and then playing live shows. I don't know. Uh, that. You know, because I, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't have a problem being known as that guy. Yeah, no. Um, I mean, you're still getting paid, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem being known as that guy, but also, I, you know, I want to be able to stand on my own. Right. And I think I'm still building that part, um, which comes with playing live shows and mm-hmm. people coming to see you. And then they, you know, you just get kind of disassociated, you know. Mm-hmm. At the right time, the, in due time, in I guess. due time, in, it, in due time, it will happen. It's um, <clears throat> it's it's crazy, you know, because I I compare you guys, <laughs> I compare you guys to to Luke Bryan and Cole Swindell. Yeah, you know, um, and we've seen the success that Cole has had. We've seen the success that obviously Luke Bryan has had. So I compare you guys to that. Cause that's the only comparison that's, you know, really, yeah. you can really put out there. Yeah. Um, to where it's so weird. It seems to happen that way. Cause now, I mean, there's like Morgan and Hardy. And yeah. Rest, you know, it seems to happen that way more so than now. It's not like it doesn't happen with everyone. No, but like it kind of, it, it kind of happens like a, a wave lot. of them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's two. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Hey, 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 listen, whatever, whatever gets you successful, get know, there. Right. Get there. Dude, I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I, you know, I, here's the thing. I had a baseball coach in high school tell me he was like, there will be times in your life where you'll be presented with opportunities. And whether or not you take those opportunities or not, they could be the opportunity that changes your life. Right. And dude, for me, a guy named Bradley Jordan, if he'd never called me and offered me a hundred bucks to open for Luke Holmes eight years ago. If I literally, if literally, I mean, it's two and a half hours from my house. Right. It wasn't like right up the street. Right. Like if I hadn't been like, I didn't know who Luke Combs was at the time. Nobody. There was 40 people at the show. So like, if I hadn't been like, hundred bucks, are you kidding me? I'm not driving up there for hundred bucks. If I had said that, I never would have met Luke Combs. I never would have wrote songs that changed my life forever after all. I would never Right. Have a Grammy. I would never would have been able to tour what I've toured with him. Right. Like, and also I wouldn't have one of my best friends in the entire world. So that's one of those opportunities I think about when I think of my baseball coach telling me that it's like, man, if I hadn't, if I, dude, if I said no, like if I would have said no, like how easy it would have been to have said no. And then like, what wouldn't have happened? It's taking chances. It's crazy, man. It's taking chances. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that that's the name of the game. The name of the game is taking chances. That's, yeah. that's the oh, life. For sure. That's the life. Um, so let's talk about how were you as a kid? Like, so country mm-hmm. Covington, Georgia, I'm assuming is extremely fucking country. Yeah. Um, so how were you as a kid? What was your musical influences growing up? Uh, so I'm a massive '90s country fan, obviously. Yeah. Um, surprise! I, I love gospel music and I love black gospel music. Um, if you guys just saw my face, <laughs> I do. I, I, I love gospel music. I love black gospel music. I love bluegrass and '90s country. I mean, and some you know, right? All my stuff is in there somewhere, right? So it's got some. I, I feel like it's soulful. It's con. I, 
you know, convicting and passionate kind yeah. of thing. So, um, that, and that's where, like, I love songs that tell a message because, like, when you get the gospel thing in there, it's like, you know, you're telling a story, you're telling a message, you're actually spreading good, right? So I try to let that live in my songs, too, when I write and when I sing. And you want to be able to portray that message on stage. Right. Um, where it comes across and it feels genuine and honest. And that I think, dude, I think that's the hardest part of the whole thing is, like, like you want to be genuine and honest, right? And I, you are, like right? I am, like, yeah. st- like everything I do is genuine and honest. Is it being portrayed as genuine and honest, or is it? Does it seem contrived? That that's, that is what that's, makes me nervous about being an artist. Period. And so that's the realness of it all. People can read through and see through the bullshit. Absolutely. I, I I 100% agree. And so part of me goes is like, do I seem like I'm full of BS when I'm being genuine or do I seem genuine? Exactly. And weighing that is like, that's what, those are the thoughts that live in my head. Like when I tell a fan, like, thanks for coming. Does that just seem like it? I'm blowing smoke or do they really understand how grateful I am that they came to my show? You know what? Because as a a fan, as a fan of country music and and music in general, and I obviously I've met some artists, but it's like, you know, when you get a meet and greet, for example, and you get there and and like you talk to the artist and you're told you're only allowed to talk to us like two or three minutes or whatever, 30 seconds or take the picture and then go kind of thing. Um, but then you have people who like give artists gifts and things like that. And it's like, okay, this is a genuine moment from this artist. He or she is showing their true selves and showing how genuinely grateful they are for you being there and for you supporting them. I mean, I heard I heard artists here all day, every day. It's like Kenny Chesney gets on stage and 50,000 people and say, you guys changed my life. You guys, yeah, obviously we changed like we changed your life. But it's like yeah, like no shit. No, but like also he's like he means it. He means it. So do fifty thousand people really know that he means it? Yeah. For me, those are the like scary thoughts that live in my head. Is like when I truly say how grateful I am on Instagram of like thank you for streaming, thank you for buying. Is it just like well, no duh, you're thankful. But, but I, like for I, me, like no, truly, like thank I, you. I think. But here's the thing. I think that that comes. With time, yeah, you know, I think it comes with time when people like are actually like getting to know you and like yeah. getting to know your music and like they're seeing you on Instagram and they're seeing you being real on Instagram and showing and like they see you in person. They show and you show like real emotion. Yeah, that comes with time. It's like it's a relationship. Yeah, it is. It's a relationship. You know, it's 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 one of those where it's like okay. We're gaining trust. I hate, like, I, I, I hate to use that word, but that's that's really what it is. We're gaining trust because we're trusting because we're investing our time right. and our money to come see you and and to make sense to show you. You know what I mean? Here's the hard part about it: is you're trying to gain and earn that trust with your fans, but at the same time, there are people, there are more people than you that make decisions of your career, mm-hmm. which makes it super tough. So here like you can trust me and like. Mm-hmm. I'm being honest with you, but like at the same time, like, although I, I guess, you know, the artist is the ultimate, right. You know, boss, whatever. Right. I mean, there's other people that influence things too. 
And it's not like you're trying to be like, you're trying to bow down to somebody else, but like you take other people who have experience and you take their trust in something. So like, say I say, Hey, I'm going to put out a song in a month. Mm -hmm. And then I don't put out a song in a month because somebody else was like, "Ah, maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should hold off. Well, let me hear you why. And they tell you why. And you're like, okay, that makes sense. But you've already told your fans. So then it's like, well, he friggin' lied to us. There's those things. And I'm saying I've never, I don't know if I've ever done that. Right. I I possibly have. I don't know. Um, I hope I haven't. But if I have, like, it's like, I'm sorry for that. Because, because like things, also things change. I mean, right. In the music business, like this stuff, it It moves so fast. (laughs) Um, So crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy because I've heard people tell you that Nashville industry is like 10 years behind LA and New York. Mm. But it's like, well, if we're 10 years behind LA and New York, then LA and New York are just fucking savages. Yeah. Like, but like we so they're like they're not putting out quality music, but it's like, no, they still are. But like, who who's making the decision? Yeah. Because you have people, you have people who are on labels. And they've been on labels for three years and haven't released a damn thing. Right. You know, that happens. And that's okay. Because the labels are like, okay, right timing, right time, right time, right time, right place, right time Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And it's like, but I want to release music now. Yeah. You know? That's a tough, that's a tough battle. And it's a tough, it's a tough battle. It's a tough thing to navigate. Because you want to, you want to trust those guys. Yeah. Because they've been doing it. There's a reason they're in business. Right. But at the same time, it's like, mm, I don't know. It's like, tough. Let's just, like, let's, just, let's just drop this single. Just, just drop it. Let's just drop it and see what happens. Let's just do that. Yeah. You know? I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's a crazy thing. So let's let's uh, let's talk about your family. Yeah. Baby girl? Yeah, baby girl. Baby girl. Dude, I mean, you want something to change your life? Have a baby girl. Like, if you need, if you think... My life is the best thing ever. I'm telling you, if you don't have a little girl, I mean, if you don't have a kid, period. Like, I, yeah, I don't have a little boy, so I can't say that. So, but I'm, uh, I would just imagine it's the exact same thing. A kid will change your life, dude, for all the better. Like, yeah. I can't explain it. It's, it's. You hear it. I heard it my whole life. Everybody hears it their whole life until they have kids, and then they're like, "Oh, this makes sense." Why does it make sense? I have no clue. It does. It's insane. I had that with my dog. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of people do. <laughs> a lot of people do. Yeah, you know, but no, a kid, a kid would change your life. My my little brother just had uh, a baby about six months ago, and I can already tell the change that I see in him. Yeah, because um, he was like he's a quiet mm. to himself, dude. I've seen kind of guy. Not necessarily. This didn't happen to me. I, I don't think I'm. I've, I've never been like the go out. Yeah, party guy. Mm-hmm. But like some of my best friends growing up were, and like guys that were in my wedding, and like, dude, I've seen them have kids and totally do a three sixty. Like, I mean, because now you have that person. Crazy. You have that person who's like who's looking up to you. Yeah, it's all, all and, those you, and you want and you want to make sure like they see the you as a role model, not just yeah. not just dad it's or mom. Crazy. Whatever. It's yeah, insane, dude. Like. Being a dad is awesome. Yeah. And you're a girl dad. <laughs> and I'm a girl dad, which is all. Awesome. She started uh, gymnastics yesterday. Oh, is, yeah. oh. She'll be three in March. But yeah, it's uh, 
Huh, it's exciting. <laughs> Those are the things I'm like, that, that goes back to kind of earlier. It's like when you're out on the road and you're like, am I having fun? One million percent. Yes. Right. Are there times I wish I was at home? A thousand, like a million percent. Yes. So like, you just got to find that and hope and pray one day that they will understand. But also you got to be present and be there so that when you, when they right. see you go, you're like, Oh, he'll be back. And he's, right. when he is here, he's supportive and that kind of thing. So, yeah, you had just had her when we, when we first met. Yep. Yeah. Cause I signed. Yeah. Cause yeah. Yeah. While you're going, went to radio yeah. in 2020 and she was born in 2020. Yeah. Yep. You had just had her. Yep. Um, so that's wow. You've been doing this. You've been, you've been, you've been kicking ass since she's been. <laughs> dude, it's been awesome. Well, I think, dude, having a kid too, not only is it the be, like fun and the best thing ever, but it like, you need something to motivate you. You need mm-hmm. something to make you push just mm-hmm. a little bit harder. I mean, because mm-hmm. when it's not just you, you're, or, you know, you know, for, I guess, six years or so, five, six years, it was me and my wife and, you know. Right. We're supporting each other, but like when you have somebody that is totally reliable on you, relying on you, like a child, like you, it's like shit or get off the pot. Yeah, you know, like it's time to go to work. Yeah, it's time to provide. Um, and that was my whole goal when I started set out music. It was just like, as long as I can pay my bills and provide for my family, like that is when I know that I have made it. Right. People like ask you all the time, it's like, well, I mean, you know, you made it. And it's like, well. For me, I already have because I'm doing what I love to do, which is music. Right. And I'm able to do what I set out to do, which is just pay my bills and provide for my right. family. Anything past that is just awesome. Right. And glorious. But um, that was my goal was just to be able to provide, pay my bills. Um, so to get to do that with what I love is awesome. So what what has been the hardest thing for you to deal with in the music industry because everyone, you know, everyone's dealt with the whole, you know, the nose. People don't talk about it enough, but the mental issues, the mental states of people, like the anxieties, depressions, and things like that. Oh, it's bad, dude. It's, it's, like, it's, it's bad. And I'll tell industry. you why. I'll tell you what it is. It's the comparison game. Yeah. It's that, that I think that's what it all boils down to. And it, I mean, even for me, like, um, you know, you see an artist that you think is on the same level as you. And maybe they play a venue as you that they same venue as you. They sell it out. Mm-hmm. You don't, or they get a song on a playlist that you don't like. It's those things you go like that. To me, that is where you go. That, that's where you will start going insane. Yes, if you start comparing your career to someone else's, that is what I mean. It's detrimental. It's terrible. It will you lose sleep. It's not healthy. Not good for you at all. And how do you fix it? I have no clue. Because it's not just as simple as like don't do it. It's not because <laughs> it's it's not because you you also have you also have the labels sometimes doing that to you. Yeah. Um, you know, comparing you, but you all, but so it's like, yeah, it's like why is this person getting airplay and I'm not exactly it's whatever those things are exactly, and you know. Because then it goes, cause for me, it like, I don't even think of those things as the music. It's like, because I, th- I mean, I, 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 being honest when I say this, yeah. I'm trying to be humble when yeah. I say this, but I think my music's good. I yeah. really think my music's great. Otherwise, there's no reason for me to do it right if I didn't believe in my music. Right. So when that those things don't happen, I don't even 
think of it as my music's not good. I go, am I not a likable person? Like, am just take music out of the equations. Like, do they just not like me? Is that why? Like, what can I do for them to like me? That goes back. And that, that goes back to our conversation earlier about, um, about being authentic. Do people truly believe me when I say I'm thinking? Exactly. It's, it literally is all that, that those are my issues. And I'm not sure that every artist goes through them. I would, it's kind of hard for me to think they don't. Right. Um, I feel like we probably all battle those, you know, I don't know, at least at this level. Yeah. If you're selling out arenas, which at that point you have other issues, I'm I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. It's those are, that's to me, that's the hardest part of the whole music business is like the compare game that makes you wonder all those things Mm -hmm. are the, cause like, I think I feel like my music's great. So like for whatever reason, and it could be the reason they're not playing it's because the music's not great, but mentally I can't tell myself that. Right. Cause I think the music's great. So my brain immediately goes to, do they just not like me as a person? And what can I do to fix that? It doesn't go to, well, maybe I just need to put out better songs. It goes to what can I do to be a more likable, better person? Yeah. Which is crazy. Which is crazy to think. And it's a not, it's, it's an unhealthy place. <laughs> but I mean, I think it's something we all go through. You got to just keep putting out good songs. Well, you're putting out great music. Well, thank you. You're putting out good music. I mean, you, I mean, you wouldn't be on here if you weren't putting out good music. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just saying, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, no, I, I, I love you as a person. You, you were, well, thank you. You were phenomenal. Last time we saw each other, um, last time we saw each other, we both were drunk. Yeah, dude. I'll tell you what. <laughs> let's see. That was one. That was one of the coolest times. Yeah. I think that was your first time playing it too, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Yeah. The last time I saw you, we were both. That was, that was a good time. I went out afterwards and I probably shouldn't have. I went to the Ryman. Did you really? Yeah. I went to the Ryman and watched uh, Ray Fulcher open for Craig Morgan. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was a good time. Yep, that was a time. fun time. Yep. That's a fun time. Well, make sure you go see this guy because. If you don't, I'm going to slap the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, me too. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm kidding. No. I'm kidding. Yeah. No, i got to come out to see one of these shows. Come on. Um, um, are you doing a Nashville show? Not as of right. Well, I have something planned, maybe. But it's not technically, a, it's not going to be a headline show. But I do have a Nashville play coming up. That'll be announced soon. Okay. Okay. All right. Well. It's a big Nashville play. Oh. Not on tour with someone, but kind of. You'll, you'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out. We'll find out off the record. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of Smoking Section Podcast. Uh, the one, the only, Drew Parker. Thank you for coming, Dude, bro. Thank you, man. This has been a hey, long time coming. I mean that. I, I mean that. <laughs>